Yo, what's up guys? The merch is live. Shop.fsotd.com. We got rolling trays, ashtrays, lighters, hoodies. Look, we got the new LED rolling trays. Different colors, or you can rock all the same color. Boom. We got the ashtrays. And we got the lighters, man. Go support the crew. There's three different tiers on the website also. Make sure you check it out. Tier 1, Tier 2, mm -hmm. Tier 3. Shout out to the Tier 3 gang. Um, also, what else, man? GrowGeneration.com. First Smoke 10. Go into any Grow Generation store. Let them know First Smoke of the Day sent you. First Smoke 10 gets you 10% off. And have you been rocking with Drip Hydro yet? Brand new nutrient company, Storm in the Market. Drip Hydro. Let them know First Smoke of the Day sent you. Switch to drip, and if you haven't already, go to drdabber.com. Use the code FSOTD. You're going to get 15% off. Me and Biggs are rocking the uh, white, white Boost Evo yeah. right now. Super fly unit. That's what we're rocking. We're also rocking the Excess. Make sure you check that out. And without further ado, you know I'm a little slow right now. I've been off that truffles walk on that truffle soda. Biggs been shopping. Let's get into episode 87. We got truffles for you. Sit tight. Best smoke in America with me right now. Hey, man, smoke. Damn good. I didn't already roll up some on the G. So my next point, that's the problem that we have. There's a lot of brands within there. They think they're competing with one another. If you feel that's great. If you don't, you know, it is what it is. The competition is going to come. The bad guy that's going to come is when it gets better illegal. That's the bad guy. Bro, this shit just smokes different. He's like, when you bring me weed, it's like being in a restaurant and somebody's just putting truffles on the pasta. I was like, truffles on the pasta, huh? I was like, okay. We're going to call it truffles. Yo, what's up, everybody? We're back. It's first smoke of the day. It's your boy Pat God's in the building. I'm here with my co-host Blackleaf. Dabbing so up. Dabber. Come on, man. Episode know. 87. We're in the building with Truffles today. Big what's dog. Good, Appreciate you coming, man. Appreciate For you having me, man. It's been a colorful it. set. You got the branding going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we try. It's it's dope, man. Even yeah. to see the soda and and you know the glass and everything you got going on, bro. I've been seeing the brand for uh strong since like 2020 now. Yeah, we started on like 18. Yeah. And then we just kind of started going hard like end of 19. Yep. But it took us about a year and a half to do our R&D. And um, 19 is where we really started taking off. It was like, it was like overnight type of situation. I started seeing the yellow bags everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it, it was like just the execution of things, right? We just started to like, took our time with it and we just didn't rush the process. Wanted to make sure that, you know, whatever we put out was A1 and that people were just going to be happy with it. Like for the people, by the people. We weren't just trying to finesse the market of saying, oh, you know, here's another company type yeah. of situation. So when it came on and people just kind of resonated to it naturally, it just organically started taking off. And it was just overwhelming amount of feedback. And we were like, wow, this is, you got something, right? Like yep. this is, this is hidden. And then when you look back, I mean, that the first year and a half that we were doing breeding and just crossing and just doing R&D and like behind the behind the curtains, like nobody even knew about what it was. But based off my experience over the you know years and years and years of being in the industry and just trying to see the do's and don'ts and 
the what was missing, like the 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 negatives and the positives. I just kind of took it upon myself. I was like, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the right way. And when I do it, it's, it's going to be something that people are just undoubtedly going to say, it's it. Like, it's good. Can't, can't say nothing bad about it. And um, yeah, 19, we, we released the, you know, uh, a couple of our new phenos that came on and just people started smoking and talking about it, word of mouth spread. And before we knew it, I remember, you know, it's funny because we all know, you know, we're, you know, we're based in LA, but we travels everywhere in the United States because people come, they cop their A's, they go. And a couple of my uh, friends called me from New York and they were like, bro, it's a truffles epidemic over here. Like people are going crazy. What's going on? I was like, yeah, bro. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, bro, everybody's asking for truffles. What's going on here, man? Like, this is crazy. How do we get this? I was like, bro, we just, we just barely even getting started. We haven't even like breached the market. What do you mean? He was like, I need it all. I need this. I need that. I was like, slow down. Let's take it one step at a time. Let's just see what it is. And as it just kept progressing and progressing and the strain started kind of rolling in back to back to back and it just went from, it was just an upscale going up, 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 up. But I mean, you kind of got to know the beginning to understand towards the, the, the beginning of where the brand started and the mid. So once we get into it, I, I could like kind of explain to you guys where it all kind of began. So you see like the hard work that got put into it. It wasn't just a, that first year, you know, I had to kind of educate myself to kind of be able to bring that benefit to, to the brand, benefit to the industry, bring that positive feedback where I was kind of, you know, I wasn't the, the flex or nothing like that. It was just more of like, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm not taking no shortcuts. I'm not going to just put something I'm not sure about that I won't smoke. I'm going to put something out there that I know I'm putting my best foot forward. And if people don't like it, that's cool. At least to myself and the individual that I am, I can just say, yo, I did my best. And sure enough, man, with God's good graces, you know, they felt the vibes, they felt the flower, and here we are. At pheno hunting, your R&D is like trying to predict the future. So Pretty what much. you were doing at that time was like, all right, what are people in a year to two years from now, when you're in full production and full mode, right. what are they going to want? And it, it, when you said that, it, it rang so true because it's like every flavor is exactly what a lot of people are after right now. Right these variations on candy that are right. your own, right? Yeah. That it still has that candy profile, but it's different. It's like, oh, this one has some chem and this one has some cherry. And right. then this one is more of a, like that, the one is insane. The nerds or what, what was the one we were talking about? The airhead? The airheads. Yeah. The, I mean, the smell on that is unlike any candy I've come across yet. So funny about airhead is um, it was from 2000 plants and we were just going crazy with it, right? and Mind you, 21, like everybody thought I was crazy. And I went in one day and everybody was sitting. I was like, we're taking a break. They're like, what do you mean we're taking a break? I was like, yeah, I'm pulling the plug. I'm going back to R&D. And they're like, so, so that means we're not producing any more flour. We're expanding and we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. And everybody was like, no, you can't do that. What do you mean? I was like, I'm pulling the plug. You're not, you're not listening. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Like, we're going to take a break. We're going to go more onto, you know, construction and building out a new place. And we're going to pheno hunt until I'm certain that I'm ready for the next wave of flour that's going to come hit the market that I'm going to be satisfied with. Because whatever we did thus far, some of them are great. Some of them are to par, but some of them I, just, I might not be feeling it anymore. I just feel like the future, you just got to elevate your game. So 2021, like it was like third quarter of 21, we took that break. I pulled the plug. We shut 
the facility down and I was in the middle of buying the new facility. I bought the new facility. We immediately started construction there. That's the 60,000 square foot facility we just finished. Um, and simultaneously doing licensing and searching for areas, being compliant, this, that. It just takes a long time. So doing the first project when we first started with licensing, you just know how long it takes to get there, right? So you're like, okay, I need about eight to nine months for the licensing to go through and the transfers and inspections. And then I got to do this certificate of occupancies, fire marshals, the whole shebang. While right? paying rent. Oh, 100 percent. Just to I just yeah, want to add that in for, for people sure. that aren't from the industry. Yeah, for sure. Your property taxes, the rent, the electricity. And on top of that, well, you're not getting an income coming. You're putting all these funds and capital injection into something and building something where there's just nothing generating revenue off, off, off the side. So it was kind of on my on my back shoulders. I put it on my back, you know, on my shoulders, just started carrying it. And I think the, the most important thing is the passion of, of, of the tree, right? So for me, it's like, once you lose that passion, you need to get out of this industry. You have no business being here. If you don't have passion, if you're getting up every day and you're depressed, and you're like, oh, I got to go do this again. I got to water my plants. Like, get out of this industry. You don't belong here. Be a smoker, be, be a fan. But if you want to dabble into this and you're going to complain about waking up 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and hitting it hard, and sometimes taking away from your life, from family, friends, parties, this, that, to just be involved in this game, that's what it takes. Hard work and dedication. So a year and a half, we grinded, you know, my, 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 my CFO, shout out to Kyle, he, he, he was just right by my side. We're just going in every morning, eight o'clock, like a regular business, getting everybody in there. All right, we're crossing this with this. We're starting with that. So we had like five to 10 rooms, just crosses going. And basically all the crosses came out, we harvested, we, we started getting all these seeds and everything. And, you know, there's a process of curing that too. So we make sure everything is cured. And then the pheno hunt started. So when we're talking about Airhead, Airhead was like 2000 plants. And out of that 2000 plants, only two phenols survived where, you know what it was? I'll be honest with you. Like it was to a point where I was like, bro, we're not going to hit anything. It's just like, we are on room number eight and it's coming out and I'm just not finding no winners right now. And it's just to the point where like, do we hang it up with this particular crosses? Just move on to the, to the other batch. What's going on. And what's funny is I love telling the stories like the last batch, the last 400 we took out and it was like, no, 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 no. And it was like, hold on. This could be something. And just kind of put like five bags aside that were like similar, cured it, started smoking it. And what's funny about pheno hunting is that sometimes when you smoke a particular pheno, you just don't know if it's going to be that good until you run it like four or five times. So you literally have to be like Nostradamus to be like, I think this is going to be what it is for the future, right? So I took a leap of faith and I was like, I think this is going to be it. Like just save these two. I don't think those are going to head. And we did like this little pheno hunt party in New York at the time. Um, it was last year. Um, and just kind of gave it out to a lot of people, a bunch of stuff. And sure enough, people were like, yeah, this is gas smoking. This has good flavor. This is gas smoking. This has good flavor. I was like, okay. So I, I was right. The we people do have something. will tell you. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know, by the people for the people. At the end of the day, it's the end consumer that's going to be smoking it. I could love it. You could love it, but it doesn't mean that 10,000 people are going to love it. So 
we went back. I ran a couple of times and we just graduated with a minute. It came out phenomenal. It's, it, it smells amazing. It tastes like it smells. The high, it hits crazy. And usually when you talk about candy, like, you know, it's, it's funny. We were smoking with the, from John from High Times. And he was like, you might have something here. He was like, this is actually getting me high because it's like the candy vibes, but not really candy vibes. Because when you crush it and smoke it and taste it, 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 it kind of changes on you. Mid, midway, it starts getting heavier and heavier and heavier. You know that high that starts off like, mm -hmm. okay, it's cool. And then it just takes another notch up and another notch up. Like, okay, cool. But it just keeps going, right? And you're like, all right, I need to sit down. Like, this is, this is getting a little overwhelming. It's that type of high. That's why we call it airhead. Which is what's missing for most candy. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's exactly, that's what's, exactly missing what's missing for right. most candy. Right. And it's crazy when you say 200 different, 2,000 or 200? 2,000. 2,000. Because it's like, you're looking for a professional athlete. Yep. And you're breeding two, two different. And you, you're like, both these are good strains. We know their potential, right? Somewhat. Right. Now we're going to put them together. And now we need a professional athlete out of you. A, no. a, a 10 we need a yeah. you know literally someone that's going to break all the records that's what right. you're looking for so of course out of 2000 that's why when people pop pop like a pack or two yep yeah you're going to get somewhat and like but it's not the same as like going like what you're saying when you're okay. really chasing down hundreds of phenos mm -hmm. to try to find something special that stands out it makes all the difference and let's not forget the capital injection into it too because every time you're running a room you got to pay for the electricity you got to pay for the nutrients you got to pay for the trimmers you got to pay for all that opportunity cost uh, everything right yeah i mean just it oh, does work the most meters. people don't get past yeah. because they're looking at yield mm -hmm. and how many runs and then how much can we get yeah but that's just and that's why like the game is where it is right now. It's the I'd run say. of the mill. Ooh. It's the run of the mill. Yeah. How much pounds can I take out? And so what if I sell it for dirt cheap? I'm just yeah. going to put it out there. What you hear, I hear all the time, it'll be a fire share. I'm like, what happened to that one? They're like, ah, oh, I didn't yield enough to make the cut. I'm just like, no, seriously, that's most, yeah. that's most places. Cause they're, yeah. you're talking real money. You got to yeah. answer to people. Yeah. And, and I, you and, know? and you know, like us, like working together for years, like, I don't think we ever had that combo really rarely. Hell no. But it's like, and like maybe we but needed we two the, more. Yeah. We'll have the but, then you have the combo of fucking damn, you didn't hit shit. That yeah. That only well, did one I mean, let, let's really one talk about let's really or, talk about that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it didn't yield much, but then the smoke dictates the price. Skittles. Right. So there's a reason why packs are going for five plus, mm -hmm. right? Five yeah, thousand plus, five thousand plus, plus more. People that are, yeah, because we're yeah, talking industry people are like, talk. Oh, what's the difference? There's a big difference. Oh, lowest market too. In the lowest market, right? I mean, it's the it's the reality of Still things. Happening. You have to be real with yourself. Like, I mean, if you're running a room that everybody calculates in this industry per light, right? I pulled two point five a light. I pulled it's three a light. Flex. That's not a flex for me. Uh, to me, it's like, what type of flower did you pull? We pull 1.5 a light. And I'm not ashamed to say it's it. It's a standard mm -hmm. for fire. No, it's, 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 it's a yeah, true exotic. You're, you're not pulling four pounds of light. I mean, no. let's be real. Without no. additives and without crop steering yep. to, to the point of hurting the genetic. Yeah, PGRing or something like that. Or I just mean, crop steering it to the point of like where it's like, how much weight can we throw on this nug? Is there like the whole talk too is like, is there more trichomes then if there's more flour? Because not what we've seen. It right. looks just like a bulked up. It's the same with a person. Just a bulk. Yeah, up, the structure you know. tells the uh, tells everything, right? The stem of the plant tells everything. When you break it up, how it breaks up, and mm -hmm. you know, you get like these thick, thick structures that are coming in, golf bully, hard, and you know, you're just breaking it up, and and you'll see like a small nug that's like 
an eighth. How? But you'll take like, quality. It's just, I'll make the, I'll make the simple. Yeah, but I'll make the simple example, right? You go buy tomatoes. And by QR code and tomatoes, you'll know what's grown organically and what's grown non-organically. The non-organic tomato looks beautiful until you come home and you cut that tomato and you're highly disappointed because it has no flavor. It's like biting an apple and you're like, it's just trash. But then you get that organic tomato you bring home. It might not look good as it, but it smells Juicy. the flavor, everything that you eat. It's no different than growing cannabis. You, it's all about the flavor and the palate and the terpenes and the clean smoke. You know, so people get the misconstrued, like they misconstrued the facts, like, oh, well, I could get this for this. They'll go get it. Because clearly you don't understand what it takes to get the really clean smoke, the really high-end exotic and what, what it entails to get it there. So, yeah, just a general disclosure, like when we run truffles, we're not running, you know, high yields these are really small yields that'll come out and we just make the best of it for whatever the market is that's why we dictate the price of what it is and if the price is a problem then we might as well not do it for that simple fact of what what is the point and that's the beautiful part about the cannabis community right we still have the passion that's burning when the people and good smoke is still highly appreciated by, mm -hmm. by by a lot of people and they're willing to pay the price point and appreciate the cultivators so um, with that said, I mean, there's run of the mill, there's mid and there's, there's the real high and the real high, you have to have that super, super exclusive strain. That's a new flavor palette that people are going to learn to appreciate. And that's kind of word of mouth that starts blowing up. Yeah. Makes all the difference. And it makes all the difference that you guys have pheno hunted your own versions of what, you know, yeah. like this is what people are smoking right now. Right. This is the, and then also now being ahead of that and saying, okay, what's the next wave? Where do I go from here? I mean, I'd love to hear all the way back though. and go yeah. into his history. Yep. Talk about like, you know, childhood, high school, where'd you grow up? Well, I, I was born in, uh, in Yerevan, Armenia. I came here when I was 12 and we uh, actually migrated to Philadelphia. We're staying in Philly. Um, didn't last longer. We didn't like it there. So we moved to New York and I learned a culture in New York. It's an amazing culture. You get to learn a lot of things, especially about business because it's the hustle central of the world, right? And um, we, we lived there for about five, six years. And I came to visit my family members out here in California and I just fell in love with LA. I was like, well, I got to come here. You know, and big based Armenian community. Shout out to my Armenians, man. I love my, my Armenian community. I mean, they just, you know, it's like home from home, right? So it's one of those things when I came here, I fell in love with LA. I fell in love with just everything, the vibes of LA, right? It was just so convenient. So we moved out here. Um, I went to high school here. I went to uh, Hoover High over here and uh, I actually graduated with a lot of difficulty because at the time in the 90s, it was heavy gang infested in LA. Like it was just different. It's not the LA that we know today. Like it was like, it, it was, it, it was how, like straight out of a movie. It how, was like every how corner. How old were you when, you when you moved from New York? How old were you? I was already 16. So when yeah. you move and you started going to high school and stuff, like how was it those first like month or two where like well, people try to like, it was like acclimation period or something or be yeah, like nah, trying to was, see what's up with you like no nah, that's the beautiful part about my community man that's why i love my community because with us it's all about family yeah yeah it was about, about family and the armenian culture is different and the armenians always kind of stick together in a sense so we always welcome one another because we're 
we're many but very few. So when we see each other, it's like we find each other, we just create this whole new vibe of family. So it was very welcoming. I mean, of course, you know, coming from New York, the style, the way I was dressing, it was kind of different than what Cali was. And, you know, guys were like, well, bro, this is LA. LA, you know, we're going with the solos and the and Nike <laughs> kicks and stuff like that. Them big fluffy Tommy Hilfiger jackets are not flying here. So I was like... I was like, "What's this fly?" I mean, this is what I know. And then, you know, as period of time passed, I started acclimating, and you know, new friends, new, 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 new people. My family was here, so it was it was a change. It was a positive change. I'm not knocking it, you know. Like I love still, I have a lot of friends in New York right now, and I still come and go over there. But uh, everybody knows, you know, LA is home for me, and I, you know, it's just kind of like living down in LA right now. It's like my favorite, favorite state in the entire, entire United States. You know, you can't can't pay me enough to move, man. No matter ups and downs or whatever we're going through right now in LA, it's still the best place for me, man. That's a crazy jump. So you were 12 when you left Armenia, so you still remember. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like remember. So was it, an, not to say upgrade, but was it a positive change moving to Well, considering the, fact, considering the fact that the country was at war. Yeah. We had no water, no electricity. You know, we're sitting, you know, there's no heat. And the wintertime is like below zero. And you got these fire, little fireplaces that we were just using over there. It was country was going through it at the mm -hmm. time. And as a kid, it's like, you know, like you can't take a 12-year-old kid right now and put them in that environment. Then they acclimate to it. Like it's very difficult. So like I've been through it in the mm -hmm. sense of knowing, you know what I mean? Like there's no, no hot water. You can't take no showers. You, you just kind of, you know, pick the days where... You know, you get that two-hour window when they give the, the 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 lights come on, and you're like, all right, cool. Like everybody's just rushing to go take 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 their showers and do whatever it is because the country is really at war. Um, so, you know, it came to a point where it was like freezing. There was no food in the in in the country. It was just going through a very bad time at the time. And what's funny is when I when we left, is when it started getting better. Like the war finished, and so I haven't been back yet. It's been a very long time, but the country's kind of been elevating itself. And I've just been seeing, you know, we went through another war just recently. And it's just heartbreaking, man. You look at it and you're like, you know, just the history keeps repeating itself. And it's just, it's it, it's still home to me, you know, because I wasn't just a baby that I remember. I remember everything. I remember the streets. I remember the culture. I got two kids. I still implemented in my own home. You know, I raised my kids the way... My dad and mom raised me, so it, it's something that I'll, I'll never be a sellout on, you know, but I find a happy median mm -hmm. of best of both worlds. And that family value that was implemented in me, I kind of implemented in the company now too with my, with my people. So when they come in, you know, like, you know, you won't say that it's a, it's a corporate environment. It's a family environment. It's the same thing when people come and visit us at the, at the facility and stuff like that. We sit down, we eat, we, we chop it up. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's, it's very home vibes. You'll never see us be stiff and like, oh, yeah, we're corporate, this and that. No, bro, that's not, that's not the vibes. I'll never be at that vibes because truth be told, I've been in corporate environments before and I hated it. I just, I just, I just thought it was just fake. Like it was just a lot of unnecessary like regimens that were implemented that could have been done so much more simpler that people would just kind of be happy to work there. You know what I mean? That's why mm -hmm. Google has all these amenities for their employees now. You know, they're putting these pods and they even have smoke breaks. Like they have rooms that you could go smoke, you know, cannabis is friendly with Google. Wow. And, you know, my wife was working at a company, you know, uh, it's called Golden Hippo Media and there, 
they are actually have places that they 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 let people smoke cannabis. So, you know, you see in like advanced, like the corporate world is advancing towards that too, because they want people to be more creative. They want people to feel good. Like they're not being like the Uncle Tom's of no, this is bad. This is the gateway to other drugs. No, get out of here, bro. What are you talking about? It's sweet. Nobody ever got killed over weed. You know, it just takes the stress away. It's just basically that. So Going back to 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 coming up, you know, I, yeah, we uh, graduated from high school here. Uh, you know, I was I was pursuing trying to have a career in the medical field. Has weed entered your life at all at this point? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I figured I, with my New first York time, and- my first time smoking weed was in high school. I was in ninth grade, and at the time, you had indoor or outdoor. Like you didn't really have much. And when we used to get our hands, the the it thing back in the day was red red hair chronic. And, you know, or you used to get some stressed out packs with a bunch of seeds in it. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't that advanced, but red hair chronic was it or blueberry kush. Like it was, it was, it was the original, original stuff. I tried the red hair chronic first, you know, obviously my first time getting high, I smoked it like a cigarette because I used to be a smoker back in the day. I used to smoke in high school. So I thought it was just like a cigarette. You got to smoke it like a cigarette. Smoked it like a cigarette. And actually I packed it in the cigarette. Like I, Took the tobacco out, I packed it, and I smoked it, and it got super high. You know, you know, went, went through the whole process of munchies, this and that. So the experience was a little stressful in a sense because I, I didn't know what to expect. But, you know, I kind of self-taught myself to know your limits of how, how much you smoke to enjoy the high. And ever since then, here and there, you know, I, I always smoked. But back in the day, it was a big taboo. You know, I used to, like... When we used to get with, with our friends, like smoking a parking lot, one of them used to keep a lookout. Like anybody coming was going, you couldn't get caught up with it because it was <laughs> yeah. like they used to crucify you for you like. You want to smell like it? No, it You're was like, the fuck. same thing. If you get caught up with a cocaine or an eighth or an ounce of weed, mm-hmm. it was no different. That's how serious it was. And to me, it was like when I saw the culture, like, like just basically graduating to more accepting this. It's like music to my ears. It should have been like this in the nineties. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, it's, it's, it's just like history repeats itself. The prohibition of alcohol mm-hmm. back in 26, 27, 28, like people used to have the speakeasies to go and drink. And you know what I mean? It was, it was a known fact that, you know, alcohol was illegal, but look at alcohol now. I mean, they could have sped up the process for weed. It didn't need to take this long, but we're still not there. It's because the pharmaceutical industries and big tobacco is so well established at this point. The alcohol industry didn't have the same barriers not to say that that they didn't have barriers but they're not the same no we've had 50 60 years of pharmaceutical industry making money and being like yeah that's that's gonna take away from us and then the same thing with big tobacco and so they're evolved now just like big alcohol Mm -hmm. which is another proponent probably against cannabis right it's like oh yeah it takes away from drinkers and we are in a prohibition of cannabis right now yeah like a lot of people really don't understand that fact like we, we are in a prohibition of cannabis this is like we're fighting the good fight to trying to get everything federally legalized. And it's just like, we're almost there. And somehow, somewhere it always fails, right? It's like, doesn't go through for some ridiculous reason. Do you but, think it's going to be a positive when it does happen? Or do you think they're going to overtax it, overregulate it, and it's going to be not worth going out of state? I think my personal opinion, get it while you can right now. My, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a hard, hard believer. Whatever we're doing as a community, my <laughs> yeah. advice to other brands, like get it while you can, 
Some make that impact advice. in the industry, grow your brands, grow, grow your businesses as much as you can make that impact. So when it does go federally legal and when the pharmas and the tobaccos come in, they're going to have to pay you to get out because we know that the cannabis community does not like tobacco. They're not fond of chemical drugs or believers in healing on natural ways, right? It's smoking weed. Mm -hmm. So the community will support it, but as it goes federally legal and the tobaccos are, they want to come in and get an entry point into the market, they're going to need the brands to do that for them. So essentially what's going to happen, they're going to buy the brands, whether it'll be with a B in the front or a couple hundred million. I don't know what, depending on how much you've grown or what you've impacted within the industry. It's your entry point. Of, basically, it's your sign off, right? You did a good job. Okay, we're going to take over. And do, it's going to happen. And I know as of right now, it's, it's happening. You know, what up north? I know, I know several farms that have just been bought out and said, we don't want nothing. We're just going to buy you out. You keep operating the way you have and just keep pushing it the way you've been pushing these packs. And I don't care what you sell it for, but I want the space that you have right now. And it's, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's inevitable. Right. It's a lot of it's a lot of influence from a lot of big corporates out there. And to my next point, that's the problem that we have. There's a lot of brands within that they think they're competing with one another. And oh yeah, I'm gonna compete with this. There's no need to compete with one another, man. Like we always said when we when we initiated the brand, I said we're not in competition with anybody, man. We're just here putting our best foot forward. If you feel us, great. If you don't, I get it. You know, it is what it is. The competition is going to come. The bad guy that's going to come is when it gets federally legal. That's the bad guy. Right now, this needs to be a unity community that everybody supports one another. You know what I mean? It's just it's good vibes only because don't, don't, don't get it misconstrued. There's always a guy out there that has more money than you make for a period of 10 years that could come and just wash you out. And if you're not accepting that fact, then you're ignorant. You just don't understand the reality of how this business operates. You know, so just food for thought out there. I mean, I always say that because when people just kind of compete on the streets and I see them, you know, with different brands, this and that, I'm like, there's enough to go on for everybody, man. Everybody could eat. There's no need to bash. There's no need to say this. Like, even with you guys on, on the podcast, I've, I've seen different brands are coming in. You appreciate the flower. Mm -hmm. There's no shit talking. There's no, hey, you know, it's all right, this and that. No, you appreciate it because the guy... Spend their time cultivating it. Spend their time hunting that, whatever the case may be, right? That's what needs to be implemented or raised more as in the cannabis community, the support for one another. And I don't know what, what it is, but lately it's just been falling off. I've just been seeing a lot of negative and negative and negative. This whole industry was built on positive, man. This was all built on positive vibes. And from the 60s forward when it came in, it was just good energy, positive vibes. If you were a smoker and I was a smoker, we we're good friends. We spoke mm -hmm. the same language, right? And now it just translated to, oh, I'm smoking better than you're smoking. Or I can smoke more than you can. Brother, I'm not in competition with you. If you're smoking better than I'm smoking, let me try what you're smoking. No problem. What's the problem? Right? But it's the flex. It's like, and, and that's, that's that I personally have a problem with. Like, you don't need to flex on people. If you got something good, share it. If somebody doesn't have something good, Put him on something that's better. Mm -hmm. That started yeah. with Instagram almost. Yeah. Because I remember pre-Instagram growers and, and hustlers 
and it was more collaboration, right? Less stunting on each other, right? And talking shit. There was way less of that because it was it was also more underground and times were a little different, but so much collaboration mm-hmm. between growers and like even other like we'd meet growers outside of our home city, and it would it would be like a reunion and be like, yo, right. so what do you guys? Oh yeah, and then you right. oh, and what do you got? What's up with some of that? You want to trade? We were, I mean trading packs even. Right. I remember a lot of the homies that were older than me would trade. I traded a pack of this for that, yo, and then they would break it up between all of us other growers and we'd all scoop some but it was so much it was all appreciation right it wasn't like and then these guys got this cut we got to figure out how to get it yeah there was none of that it was like man you see this cut they're running bro and they said that at you right. you know it was you're right it was a lot more collaboration and positivity before instagram slash social media where you have to show that my shit's more expensive right my shit's more exclusive my shit's better but that's not the way to do it. I think the better, like when, when we first started talking, it's, it's a lack of education. I mean, mm-hmm. when people ask you why, why does it command for you to charge X amount for this? Because it, it's X, Y, and Z. Because it takes me X, Y, and Z to do it. It's not, I don't want to overcharge you for it. Or I'm, I'm demanding a certain price point because I want to get my pockets fatter. Is because there's no way for me to survive. If, I, if you, this low yielding product, if I give it to you, I need to be able to ensure that I pay my employees, I pay my you know, bills, whatever I need to pay for. And if it's yielding me 1.2 to 1.5 a light, I need to be able to survive. And the price point of that relates to what, what, what Cody was saying, like on, on you know, high yields or whatever the case is. High yields are good for commercial, you know, low end type of stuff that people still on a daily basis might buy and smoke or whatever. But when it comes to connoisseur stuff, you got to understand, like, it is what it is. You drive a Toyota camera on a daily basis to work. It's four wheels and a metal body. Still gets you from point A to point B, right? But that's why Rolls-Royce and Bentley commands the price that they do because it's handmade and it is what it is. They can't produce Toyota values. So I think that's the most most close comparisons I could do. The experience people, is different. It is. You it is 100%. That, yeah, the experience is different. And the quality of it too. Like, you know, they, they say the, like- The this machinery, is, just the, the style, like everything you got to have to make something- Magnificent versus standard. Yeah. You Nothing know, wrong with standard. No. It's the way of life, right? For all of it. But uh, when you advance to something magnificent, then it requires a price point for it. The costs are astronomically high. And it should smoke magnificently and yeah. reflect the values of that price 1, point. 1,000%. And that's the key now is, right, is like that the flower reflects what the value is. Because it's crazy. There's ounces going for the same price as pounds right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. Ounces going for the same price as pounds. There's ounces going for the same price as four pounds, if you're talking some people's stuff. You know, like, it's crazy. The The market's never seen anything like this. And it's just interesting where it's gone. Like, so to get back to your journey. Yeah. You, you're coming out of high school. What's going on and, and how does this start to, yeah. I, I'm coming out of high school. So, um, you know, I've always had uh, a vision for like, you know, I, I, I mingled in different things and it's kind of um, brought me to a level where I was like, all right. Because when I was in high school, I was still grinding. Like I didn't grow up with, with a silver spoon in my mouth. Like we were still struggling, right? It was like to the point where we didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I was still working and like, the hustler's mentality was still in me just to keep going, keep going. You know, I got to do this. I got to do that. So I came out and I, I mingled into, you know, trying to go into like the biology level. I wanted to see if the, like that doctrine status would be good and immediately realized it's not for me. 
So I enrolled like a, a four-year college for computer science design because I'm kind of good at that, you know, in the innovation and the design aspect of things. And my first year in, you know, we were putting in like crazy hours as, as, as students, like we're just designing stuff. And I'll never forget this, man. I'll tell this to my kids too. I was sitting in, in, in class and the professor was talking and he, I just spent like literally not sleeping three days designing something on a computer and we're just sitting here presenting it. And the professor got up, he goes, well, you know, if you want to be good like me, you know, and make $70,000 a year, you're going to have to do way better than that. I mean, I literally jumped out of my seat. I said, how much? And there's nothing wrong. Back in the day, 70000 was a lot of money, you know what I mean, to do. But my ambitions and motivations was way more than that. Because when I was putting in that hard work, I was thinking, like, you know, I'm going to make it by the time I graduate. I went home, had a heart-to-heart -to, -heart to myself. I was like, yo, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that's like, you know what I mean, can't, can't make it, but this isn't for me. I enrolled out, and I just started my own stuff, my own thing with the, my own businesses. Mind you, I was already making significantly more than what the professor was making with whatever I was doing at the time, you know, with the automotive industry and stuff. So I expanded in the automotive industry in a period, and I'm like 19 at the time. Um, you know, I, I, I got a partnership with one of my guys um, and, you know, I spent about two years doing like into the automotive body shop repair industry. And then from there, I, I saw a void with the, uh, you know, the I opened up my own insurance appraisal firm. And I started expanding that. So by by like 22, 23, I was already the third largest insurance appraisal firm in the, in, in the country. I have over 500 people working for me. And it was just naturally coming to me, you know, as an entrepreneur, I was just working. But the road to that was not easy. Countless nights of not sleeping, grinding, marketing, selling, getting accounts. I mean, second to the cannabis industry right now is the insurance industry. It's the hardest market to be in. and like I kept growing that company for 10 plus years simultaneously where I was dabbling into development on the side, you know, buying and investing back in the day in Santa Clarita, they were buying those spec homes, you know, and you could put like $5,000 down and they come back in six to eight months, the house will be ready. I was like, all right, cool. So let me have like eight of those and I'm going to go work for that. So I could come finance this. So the flip started coming into the real estate market. I bought like eight homes in Santa Clarita, Saugus area. In eight months, they were done. You know, with good fortune, the market went up. So the house that I bought for 450 turned into like 800. Right before I could even close on it, I already flipped it. So it was it was actually generating revenue coming in, right? So I was like, all right, so the real estate market is it. We're going to dabble into that a little bit. So I started building, building. I had this company, you know, and then I started doing the development side of things. And developments, I was doing like, you know, penthouses, condos at the time. And it was just like... People were feeling the vibes of the designs I was doing. They were like, yo, bro, this is dope. You got an eye for this. Like, you should really expand this because, like, you get premium for this stuff. And I think my graduation point was when I went to the Hollywood Hills and I, I just saw this house. I was like, you know what? This is going to be home for me for, for, for the next four or five years. Like, I'm really going to go really crazy in the hills, right? I bought my first, first project for, like, $3 million. I put like a million and a half into it, renovated it, expanded it. And um, soon I, before I was even done, I bought my second one. And I started, and that was ground up at that point. I was like, all right, Ooh. so now we're graduating into something. And we're just going to start bulldozing it and going ground up.
which probably in LA didn't interrupt. It's probably one of the hardest places I hear Hollywood for Hills? permitting, Hell for yeah. building, for yeah. construction. Yeah. I, oh, if you think the permit process is difficult in regular homes, when the valley or whatever, it's ten times harder over there because you're building on the hill. I'm talking about going eighty foot caissons down in the hill to hold a pool that's infinity, that's overlooking like infinity views and stuff like that. And like, and this is something, mind you, nobody taught me. I'm learning as I'm going along. And it's still my hustler's mentality. I'm like, I don't know it, but I'm going to figure it out. You know, buying contractors, bringing in, huddling everybody up. It's just managing it while I'm running the big insurance firm on the side, just going crazy back and forth. So I'll never forget this day. And one day I woke up on the, on the first home I finished and I'm, I'm going down the hill and I just looked and it was just a disaster, man. A contractor basically collapsed the entire street. Uh, while he was excavating it, and the entire street was on my on, on my side of the uh, property line, and the whole neighborhood was an uproar. Like, what's going on? And obviously, it's my project, so people are looking at me crazy. Like, what's going on here? This that by far was the biggest stress that I've experienced because that was the road going up to the hill. So people don't play with their homes either. No, I mean, I, I had every every different angle. The city was coming after me. Public works was coming after me. It was just a, it was it was a shit show, man, and. Um, you know, the, fired a contractor, locked down the house, took care of everything with the city, started renovating that. And while I'm doing that, I'm hearing that there's a house for sale up the hill and they're complaining that they want to sue the owner that actually collapsed the street. I told my agent, I was like, oh, we got to go check this out. So we go check it out. We go in there. I see the house. I'm like, I'm going to buy this house. And he's like, so, um, yeah, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a developer. He goes, yeah, where? I go here. He goes, so what do you develop? I go, you know that street that collapsed that you wanted to sue me for? <laughs> That's me. So I picked up that house at the time and, you know, one project turned to another, but I turned the negative into a positive. And what's funny is what really got me through that stress level was weed. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you guys, lie to you guys. The stress level that I was in with just dealing with it, coming home at the end of a long day, with just dealing with bullshit and just rolling up and smoking and just calming my mind down. And the next day over again, just, you know, yep. going and solving the problem. So to a lot of people that they say this is not beneficial, my mind would have been crazy. A lot of people drink. A lot of people take anxiety pills. I smoked. So I was going to say is that if you were to come home in this period mm -hmm. and have a few drinks, you might do some shit you, you're yeah. regretting now the next yeah. day or that night calling a contractor like, yo, da, da, yeah, you, know? you, you go, you go crazy. It, it says, goes the opposite yeah, about for the most opposite, people. Right. Some people can be like, oh, it chills me. I'm like, oh, I haven't really seen that happen to people. Yeah. Like you see a side of people that you're like, oh shit. Even like Versus family. weed, you're just yeah. like. Weed balances me out in the sense where I can just calm someone. down and think, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a religious person. First I pray. And then I calm myself down and get my energy right. Because everything's about energy. And I think to protect your energy, weed does that, man. It just really protects your energy in a sense where you just don't overindulge yourself and lose control. So shout out to all the smokers out there that have been doing it for years, man. It's just, it's just something that it can't be taught. It's an experience to each their own. For me, that was the experience. And luckily within you know eight, nine months, man, I finished everything and I got done. So all my projects are not done. I started a luxury rental company in the hills. So now all these luxury mansions in the hills, I'm like, I'm not selling them. I'm just hanging on to it. So I hung on to everything and I started a luxury rental company and it started popping off. Like at the time, Airbnb was not all that, you know, popping yet. So 
you know, the company started evolving where I had like celebrities coming to stand at the houses and it was just going for three, 4,000 a month. I mean, a, a day it was going for like crazy numbers a month. Um, and it was a successful business. So from, from, from the ditch to the success level, I was like, it's all well worth it. You know, the reward was there. And I was dwindling through that. I was like, okay, so what's the next project? What am I going to do? And I heard a lot of developers in the Hill were talking about like green friendly cannabis homes, luxury homes. 10, $15 million house, but it's cannabis friendly. And I was like, hmm, that's different. I should probably look into that, right? Started looking into that. And mind you, in, in the midst of that, you know, a lot of my friends that are already in the business in cannabis, they're like, yo, you should get into this, get into this. I'm like, yo, my head's into development. I'm into this luxury market. I'm, I don't know, bro. Like, you know what I mean? It's maybe not for me. Like, I love cannabis, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good fit or whatever. When the time came for me to do the research and development when it, for, develop, for developing something like that, man, I fell in love with the plant, like the process. And once I saw it, I was like, hold on. Development aside, like this shit is cool. Like this is something that's really moving me. Like not a lot of people I would say in life can say that they're passionate about what they do because they just do it for the money. And money is the driver. When you find something that you do that's driving you as an individual in business, when it's related to that business within itself, stick to that and like really capitalize on that. And that's kind of what was my journey. Once I found it and I fell in love with it, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to just start with little small batches just to kind of play around and see what I could do with this. And I kind of self-taught myself. And the funny thing is, is that not a lot of people say it, but in this business, people kind of misdirect you when you ask them. When you start getting into the business, you're talking to him, what do you think about this? Bro, it's a headache. Don't get into this. Like, this is, this is not this. It's, it's a lot of work. And, well, how do you do this? And they, mis, you know, they misconstrued the facts, tell you the wrong way so you don't get into it. I quickly caught on to that. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to do my own trial and error. So for, for two and a half, almost three years, I was just going back and forth and God, back and forth. And God bless my wife because she's a chemist. So she, she helped me a lot with, you know, with the process of, you know, botany and everything. So I was getting a lot of feedback from her and just going back and forth and doing my thing. And um, finally I got to it and I knew when it was successful it was my friends, they were visiting me from New York. At the time I had just regular Gigi that I just like small batch I took out and they came in. I was just like, here, bro, just try it out. They tried it out and they're like, where this is at? this is fire, bro. I was like, you just telling me this? Cause like I grew it. You don't hurt my feelings. Like, no, bro, this is fire. Like you grew this. I was like, yeah, I grew that. He's like, nah, bro, I've never smoked it like this. This is crazy. And you know, shout out to Mune, man. My, my man Mune, like he, he basically put me on. It was first Mune. And then um, man, my bro Benji came in and he, he tried to send me. He was like, bro, this is fire. I was like, all right. So I might have something here. Right. I might've just kind of went over that barrier of, of success of, of cultivation. So, you know, the bros kind of hyped me up in a way. They were like, you, you really got to do this, man. You really got to do this in a sense where like, you got a talent for this thing. You just got to get into it and expand on it. So I took like the development side of things where I learned and I transferred it over to the cannabis side where I was like, all right, cool. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right way. So 17, I bought my first warehouse. And we went into development and I just kind of applied all my development skills into the warehouse. 
you know, uh, the, the hygiene and the grow rooms and all everything that we built that was just like superb, whatever I needed customized to the way I grow. And we started kind of just dabbling into it and just 18 is when I really realized because I was just giving R and D to people again, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And the little homies, they were like, bro, this shit just smokes different. He's like, when you bring me weed, it's like being at a restaurant and somebody's just putting truffles on the pasta. I was like, truffles on the pasta, huh? I was like, okay, we're going to call it truffles. And that's kind of like the way truffles was kind of born. You know what I mean? And it came to, and it came to fruition. And then we just kind of took it around with it, man. And it, here we are. And ever since then, it's just been endless amount of hard work. Cause I'm a perfectionist by trade. I don't like to do things half-ass. If I do it, I'm going to do it right. If I'm not going to do it right, I'm not going to touch it. And any given point, no matter how much I love, if I can't do it my way, the right way, I might as well not touch it. And I have no problem, like I said, to pull the plug on something if I'm not feeling it. Prime example, 21, pull the plug. <laughs> I said, we're just going to go back into it. But, you know, we're coming back into things right now. And, you know, we've been gone for about a year and a half. And, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been trials and tribulations. And a lot of people were asking, like, what happened with truffles? What happened with truffles? Nothing happened with truffles, man. It's just my crazy ass pulled the plug. And, you know, I decided to go back in and start hunting genetics and mm -hmm. doing what I love doing, man. You know, like I put love into this and it, it has a lot to do with the way the plant comes out too. You put love into the plant, you put that passion, the good energy, it resonates to the, to the smokers because they, they feel that. But if you're running it like round of the mill type of thing, where you're just worried about the money, the weight, and just getting it out there, getting it out there, that's all it's going to be. The more you give to the plant, the more the plant's going to translate back to you. Everybody knows this in the industry. Yeah, it, it so, definitely. It's like a vibration it carries. For sure. Right. Love, passion, hours, time, yeah. money, yeah. devotion. Oh, yep. now we have a fire run. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yo, what up? It's Blackleaf. I'm here at Grow Generation. And guess what? Drip Hydro storming the market. All the best growers I know are switching to it. And guess what? There's a reason because it's preserving terps. I keep hearing that preserving terps. And that's why we're here with Sunshine, facility advisor, facility manager, overall the man with Drip Hydro. Listen to why it's different, man. What's going on, guys? Sunny here with Drip Hydro. Thing is, at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a simple, clean, cost effective nutrient line that nobody has really seen on the market right now. Nobody uses really our chelation formulas. Uh, the micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line is really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again and overall at the end of the day it's still really light on your wallet it's a five-part nutrient line and again if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run rock wool and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something you don't even have to run flow with it so at the end of the day it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of terps back we wanted to bring the terps back and bring the soul back to growing versatility cost effective and quality i mean what else can you ask for drip hydro first smoke of the day black leaf approved peace yo we're right here at downtown la at the grow generation where the pros go to grow and if you didn't already know whether you come in store like us or you go shop online growgeneration.com use the code first smoke 10 make sure you come check it out come check out the drip hydro and everything else we appreciate you guys. We already know. Let's get inside. Yo, what's up, First Smoke family? I want to take a second to remind you guys we appreciate your support. 
for hopping on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash FSOTD. We got brand new shows that have been hitting. They're exclusive to Patreon. You won't see them anywhere else. Make sure you get on Patreon, support the show, join the family. We got in-person events and much, much, much more. This is a real community and we show a lot of love. And also shout out to Dr. Dabber. We got a lot of things we're about to unveil, a lot of things we're about to roll out. Go get you an excess. That's what me and Biggs are smoking on. We're smoking that excess, Dr. Dabber excess, and use code FSOTD for 15% off, drdabber.com. We appreciate you guys. Peace. Yeah. As far as real estate, what mm -hmm. is one or two good lessons that you could pass on? Anything that, uh, that just rang home? Because LA is a crazy place to do real estate. Real estate, definitely, you definitely have to know your traits. You have to know the people that you do business with and the people that you hire. You know, we have a lot of finesse in the cannabis industry too, right? It's no different. There's a lot of contractors that finesse you. They'll come, they'll tell you that they're going to do the job right. And then you're, you're going to spend a bunch of money and then you're going to run out of your finances. And then you're not going to be able to finish the project. And the number one lesson that I would say anybody looking to get into real estate, you have to be on top of your project on a daily basis. It's just like going to work. You wake up in the morning at 6.30, you're the first one in, last one out. Because if you're not there, they can steal material. They, they can do different things that they don't need to do. Inspectors come in, OSHA comes in or whatever the case may be. And you're not there to monitor and make sure your project's being handled on a proper basis. You could lose your ass off on it. It's not easy. It's definitely not for everyone. It takes a lot of energy. Because you're dealing with multiple personalities. And tradesmen will are like the type of individuals that'll... They're like energy leeches. They'll suck it out of you. And you kind of have to have enough energy where you just overpower them in a sense of like, <laughs> no, it's got to be my way. You know what I mean? And I'm not taking shortcomings or whatever the case is, especially in the hills, because the design aspect of it has to be meticulous. You have to pay attention to attention to detail. Because if you're building a $15 million home, you're not come, coming to look at a North Hollywood apartment finished from Home Depot. You're importing stuff from Italy. You're importing stuff from, you know, different types of the world where it's like, this is it. You know, I knew that the trials and tribulations of me importing stuff from like doors from, from Greece and tile and marble from Italy. It was just, you have to be, you, you have to know your stuff. You have to know what you want, how you want it. You have to know the people that come to what they're going to appreciate on the vision. Design is a big aspect of construction as well. You got to know your design because you could bring a designer and they could screw it up for you royally. It wasn't easy for me. I mean, I built a $50, $60 million portfolio in a period of three years. But that education that I was talking about, that I was going to get as, as in the computer science design, I just took it upon myself and I just used my inner talent to do it for my own business. And that was my success story when it came to construction. Because I could have easily sat in a classroom for four years, got out, and been lost throughout that and had student loans and not knowing what I'm doing. And that's kind of the... The, the, the end game that a lot of the kids that are going to college right now, they just wing it with general ed for two years and they just can't make a decision what they want to do. Like, do yourselves a favor, man. Just, just don't waste your money because those student loans will kill you at the end of the day. You got to know what you're doing. If you want to be a doctor, then it's a plan. If that's your passion, then you know what you need to go and spend that money on that education, right? You want to be a mechanic, don't waste your time four years in college. Just go... Six to seven months, learn be a, to be a mechanic and just go be a mechanic. Like there's shorter routes to success. But the hard work doesn't never fail. You got you to put in the hard work. 
So it's 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 a give and take type of scenario, at least from my experience. But it's been a proven concept. You know, it's been a successful concept. So you know, I don't I don't build anymore because I'm heavily heavily invested into you know truffles and the brand and everything with the cannabis community now. I still have my projects. My wife's running the the business when the rental companies and all that stuff. But this is this is my life now, and I get up. It's it's like going to the office every day and treating it like a business. And there's no shortcomings with this. So it is crazy how it parallels, and it's also crazy how it jumps. Right? It's like you went from a thing you loved at the time, the real estate, and mm-hmm. you're learning, and then you get into cannabis and you find something that you love it seems like it even more a hundred percent it's cra- it's crazy how it just it, it parallels yeah. you know but that's it what going. it is hard work pays off in that sense because it's a journey right look in life i always say the the rarest and the most expensive commodity that you can never get back is time you gotta make sure you wisely use your time as your life goes on because all the money in the world is never going to bring that time back and we're on this earth for a certain period of time. What you do with that time solely depends on you. So if you're sleeping on it and you're just not exploring what the possibilities out there to find a happy median, then you're doing something wrong. You, you got to start reevaluating. You know, it's a, life's a journey, man. You just got to you just got to find the 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 right niche that fits your needs. Because I want to wake up every morning, and be excited to go to my girl. Like when I was seeing a year and a half, we're doing the. My most exciting time was week six, seven, when the flower was already forming. Man, I couldn't wait to get into those rooms and start touching the flowers. And what's this smell like? And what's that smell like? And just kind of doing my checklist and R and D with like my involvement with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like in my head's in it. Like I can't wait to get back to the warehouse, get back to work to do this. I'm not dreading it. You know, my disappointment is when I don't find something nice. And it's a party when you do, when you find that it's strain, believe me, man, you're over the moon. You're like, oh man, finally, you know, the hard work paid off. And it's a, it's a difficult concept for a lot of people to understand. But if you're really passionate about this and a lot of people understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of hard work that doesn't go to waste because at least I say my time didn't go for nothing. A lot of people do this like 10,000 pheno hunts, 4,000 pheno hunts. And, you know, every step of the way, in my opinion, is like a process, right? First, you find a pheno that you think is good. Then you perfect that pheno that is good. And now the final, final approval is from the general public that they have to agree that it's good. So you see the length of deficiencies and hard times that go into getting to that final finish line. It's insanity. Mm -hmm. You you have to be borderline crazy to go through this process and, and say, may I have another? But we're doing it. That's a fact. It is. And yeah. then you have to continue doing it. Oh, yeah. It doesn't end there. That's the craziest part for most people is that, okay, you found the pheno for the next year or two and it's mm-hmm. a big thing. Uh, what's next? Yep. And then they expect that. And then, and then again, what's next? So it's that constant chase. And you have to know what the next flavor of, of the year is going to be. Like right now we're crossing. And by now we've implemented where we're not, we don't stop crossing right now. As even the, the phenos that we hunted and found were, were cultivating, there's also rooms that were still pheno hunting. Like our guava skittles, uh, you know, sour guava skittles, sour, sour, sour guava and sour skittle crosses. We're going through those now. Like it came to that. It's, it's never going to stop. The minute you take your you know, foot off the gas, 
it's just going to slow down. You can't do that. It's, it's part of doing business. This is what it is. We've accepted it. So we incorporated the cost of doing business on, on, on a monthly basis. Like, yeah, that's a Fino room. That's going to have to come out of the bottom line. It's just what it is. You know, it's, and, and we're, we're predicting like, okay, everybody's loving Skittles. But one thing people don't understand is when you cross Skittles, it's not what you think it's going to come out, man. It doesn't yeah, always come fact. out all that skittle. Like that's why we get excited. You know what I'm talking about? Like you I get excited. That's why I laugh. Yeah, you get excited when you get you, the piney one. You're like, this tastes like Jack. Yeah, and then yeah, you get and yeah, then you get the yeah. other weird one where you're like, none of these taste like skittles. Yeah, it's like a lemon haze or yeah, or the tangy comes out or it like, just grows like shit. And you got to yeah. grow it anyway, and you're like, and the best one is probably the worst growing one. Oh yeah. It's all that good. But the shit. low yielding, yeah, yeah. you know, the finicky bitch yeah. with the yeah. crooked eye that never sleeps. You know, say the twelve week veg. Oh yeah, eight week veg. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I have, I have, I have skittles across the veggies ninety days. Ninety days. I kid you not. There's no reward for that if you're doing it for the money. They mm. say money. They say money is a one eyed bitch that never sleeps. Plants. Our, our, our one-eyed bitch that's crooked that is never going to let it go. He's going to look at you funny at all given times if you put your eyes away from it. it it's, it's not easy, man. People that think, oh, cultivation easy. The, what's, what's so hard about it? It's not easy. It's the hardest thing in the world if you're doing it right. Anybody could just water a plant and take something out. But if you're doing it the right way, it's, it's the hardest thing, man. Yeah. You and just got to constantly stay on top of it. Anyone can have one good run or two good runs too. The consistency yeah. is probably the hardest part. You'll know as a cultivator, like you have great batches and then you have good batches. And then yeah. you have that one that's like, fuck, man, what happened? I can't yeah. believe like, okay, lesson learned. That'll never happen again, right. but it probably will. Right. It's just new facility. We're learning. Okay. This strain does right. not like these rooms or this strain. It's always a learning process that doesn't end. So you have to have that in your DNA of like, you ready for a battle today? Yeah, I'm ready. You know, it's because it, you, you're going to come across gotta, it no matter what it is. 100% you got to self-motivate yourself because mm -hmm. that failures when they come, when you spent, you know, 60 plus days cultivating something, the batch doesn't come out right. You got to take it on the chin and be like, all right, let's try again. Patience is key in this business. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens overnight. And that's why I always tell my team, I always tell everybody that we're affiliated with, like, we, our process can never be rushed. Do not rush my process. If you rush my process, I can't deliver because I have a process that needs to take its time to do it the right way. If it doesn't coincide with whatever you're looking for, I understand that. There's, you know, there, there's different ways of working in this industry. It doesn't have to be this way, but we're going to take our, you know, like you related back to music. An artist doesn't go into the studio and whip out a, you know, 10 track song in a period of like three, four weeks. Shit takes like six, eight, nine months and they scratch it, you know, redo stuff. It's, it's a creative process. You can't rush an artist with this creative process. A grower is the same way. You can't rush a grower with, with, with his process. He needs to take his time, put in the love and the care to produce the best product. And I, that's the best relevance that I could put on the table that goes hand in hand with each other. And that's why I kind of have a problem these days with what's currently happening with this depression of this market. Because knowing the cultivators, how hard they're working. And there's a lot of them that I feel like just being taken advantage of. You know, it's funny. I was looking at a, at a skit the other day with um, Freeway Ricky that he was talking and somebody was asking him like, 
you know, what's the weed market like? It's just bad out there, man. It's just, you know, the weed's going for like $1,100, $1,200. And, and, you know, he goes, yeah, but I heard that, you know, because of these Armenians and selling this thing for so cheap, you know, I was like, it's not the Armenians, man. You know what I mean? There's Asian packs. This has nothing to do with the culture, bro. Armenians are actually bringing positivity to the cannabis community. What's happening is that because they're so passionate of just growing and they don't get involved with the distribution or marketing aspect of it, the distributors are taking advantage of it because these people only care about is just grow. There's there's not vertical, not a lot of vertically integrated, you know, growers out there. All they care about is just, I want to grow. Here's the product. You appreciate it. Pay me, pay me the money for it. When the distributors come in, they go. I could only pay you X a month. But you damn well know he's selling that eight, nine points higher than that. So at a certain point, you know, a lot of growers are being taken advantage of. And it's the desperation state because they have to pay their bills. They have to pay their electricity, employees, et cetera. So they concede to that. But if, if, if the distributors were to pay them a couple points higher, man, they'd be so loyal, bro. They, they would appreciate it. You know what I mean? It's just like I said, the unity within this community. I just take care of. Uh, all around. It just can't be one way. You know, you can't always look at the bottom line. You want the guys to succeed too. Let them eat. And that's why we're in this state right now in this market is because shit's getting undercut. People not being appreciated for, for the hard work they're putting in as cultivators. And, and sure enough, something's got to change because I know a lot of guys that got out of the game. Yeah. A lot of people are shutting down for that because it's not, it's like they can't feed their families. It's, it's, or they'll, they'll be like, I can make the same amount just working a job and not having the stress. Yeah. Like, cause like right now, too, there's like, it's rampant in LA and oh, I would just say SoCal robberies of like legal grow spots where like the cops aren't showing up and they're like, so you deal with, even after the, you get to the legal side, you still deal with the craziness that comes with this industry. It doesn't yep. change. To, to flip it though, Obviously, you put a lot of work in on your merch. How'd you get into merch? Because your shirts, oh, man. and like, I mean, the bags, bro, your branding, I mean, and the quality of every, like that shirt alone, where it's raised up. Yeah, How'd you get did, into that? I did, I did some stuff. I mean, I saw a lot of merch in the industry. I mean, you guys see a ton of merch come through, and I just wanted to do something unique. I I, um, I found the manufacturers do the hair impression uh, merch, and I kind of partnered up with them, and implemented my own designs and I just said I wanted like this, I wanted like that, meticulous details. Um the the whole concept of th this bag was like there's really nothing where people just kinda in a fashion sense could wear it and make it cool. Where it lights up when you go to a club or something like that. And you could put all your stuff in there as a smoker. Uh, that holds up to like a, a pound and a half, two pounds of, you know, weed in there. So if you're traveling or whatever, you lock it up, it's safe, it's smell proof. Um, and, and it doesn't look bad. It just looks something that, you know, people don't mind holding. Mm -hmm. And this is the type of stuff that we usually don't like even sell. Majority of the stuff, we just like give it as, as part of the brand, as our appreciation that they're, you know, buying from the brand, doing what, the, what is required from the brand or whatever we're producing. Um, you know, we got the little bongs and all of our packaging comes in in a bright yellow colors because it's just, you know, it's just vibrant. But it's this is fun. like, this is like MCM quality. Yeah. This is like, you're talking about Birkin, like, yeah. I mean, high end leather, like really fine craftsmanship. Yeah. Same with that shirt. Like the yeah. way, you know, your merch is next level. We got our hoodies, we got our sweatpants and we're, we're, we're getting ready to revamp that again because first order of business was, was the flower. So now that we got like 20 strains locked in for the, for the next year, and we're going to start cultivating that and producing the 20 phenols that we found. Um, we'll concentrate on the merch snacks and, we'll, you know, we'll just start developing that. I mean, 
simultaneously we did our proprietary lighting too we took out our own lighting right now for for our own growth so the vertical integration just didn't go one way i wanted a light that suits my grow you know so i worked on that i have a patent pending on a light i combined the leds with the hps into one because that's how i like to grow and we're just we're just advancing it and once we're ready and all the patents pass then we'll release it to the general public and you know some of the growers and people that are passionate about it they could try it out it works you but know. if you're a badass like 10 or you're growing some interesting strains like reach out to this dude maybe r&d a badass new light about to hit the market yeah. that's for cool sure. as hell man for sure and uh you know for us it was like we could also help the social equity partners that we're helping out right now so if they can't have enough money for lights or whatever we'll just lend it out to them get them started because lighting is one of the most expensive things when you're starting to grow that that like sets you back a lot and if they partner up with us in a sense and just kind of listen on the on on the routes that we're giving them and give them the 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 success route like take it like this do it like that here's the lighting go ahead don't worry about it there's always will be time for you to pay us back you know what i mean we're we've been successful enough with the brand where we could just resonate to give back to the community type of stuff um and it just grows like that you know i don't just do it for us i do it for the community I do it for stuff that I can give back. I mean, it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel good for people to be like, yeah, I, I, I like that, man. This is, this is something that I, I really, you know, vibe with. This is good in my garden and stuff like that. And then you go and you see the brand in their garden. You're like, all right, that's cool. Like we did something nice. So it just resonates back in a full circle, man. Talk about some of the team building stuff, like the way you talk about your team and the positions they're in and the titles you have, like, mm -hmm. How'd you go about, you know, starting your team? And then how do you make sure that you got the right person and you put them in the right position? Honestly, I invest in people, man. You know, as, as, as years progress, I brought a lot of guys from um, my other industries into this, you know, and, and I know that their core fundamental principles and the work ethics are up to par with mine. They know how I work. They know my expectation levels. I got my CFO that was my banker for 15 plus years and his, his bank closed down and I was like, come on board, man. It's a good, good synergy. You know what you're doing when it comes to this finance stuff. He actually went and found banks that are willing to bank cannabis. There's a couple of banks that we do business with in, in Arizona and stuff that they're willing to do the merchant service. And the, so he, he brought solutions to it because that's his specialty. You know, when my VP came in, She's on the governmental side and she brought solutions to it. Like when I say I invest in people, it's like you don't necessarily need to understand the cultivation all the way. I already got that covered. What I need is I need the solutions that we're lacking within the industry to bring into the mix, right? And then you got, you know, like, you know, marketing side of things. And I've known a lot of guys, you know, shout out to Benji. He's our regional, you know, marketing director. He knows what to do, how to do it. He's been in clubs in Miami. He's done all the lives and, you know, stories and everything. So he knows how to approach the marketing aspect of, you know, what, what people want and how to maneuver, et cetera. That's his specialty. And you capitalize on that. You capitalize on that, you know, you reward people based off their strengths and what their specialties are. Because you can't be expecting to wear 20 different hats at one time, bro. You, you got to give people their chances, whatever they need to do and grow together, you know, and, and, and so on and so on. You know, just slowly but surely you build. And there's a lot of people that fell off too that were there. I'm not saying that everything went perfect. In this industry, one thing I hate is that people are, are, are short-scaled when they look at the future. You know, the littlest thing 
could discourage or people could fall off over just petty stuff. And they don't understand the vision and the, the agenda for, for, for the brighter future. And it shouldn't be like that, man. This should, this should be something where you motivate yourself to understand if, if you're part of something big, money should not be the motivator. You know, I've never ever pushed myself for the money. I knew that the money essentially will come if I put my hard work into it. And I've been at the bottom, bottom, bottom and almost bust when I was doing business. And I've been at the top where I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I got nothing to worry about. You know, like I said, building my, you know, multi-million dollar portfolio was not easy. And like I said, at a certain point, it was like I, I was, the, the risk was like, I can, I can definitely lose it all. But you go out there and you hustle and you don't think about that. You just put in and get the success going. You, one day you're successful. Two days you're successful. You got this done. You got that done. Eventually it delivers. Universe delivers, man. See, I, I grew up, I, I didn't grow up rich, but I didn't have to rob nobody. I didn't never finesse no one. I'm an open book. I tell you to your face, if I don't like you, I'm going to tell you, I don't like you. I'm not going to fuck with you. Very, very simple, bro. I don't, I don't like the finesse stuff, man. It's just very straight line. And that always resonates back because I do right by people and people do right by me. And if the ones that trespass, God bless them. It is what it is. You just move away and just don't mess with them no more. So that, that team building thing is, is crucial when you're building a brand. You got to make sure that you don't have bad apples in the bunch. And we all know there's a lot of bad apples in this industry. I think every industry, it's like, I think the hardest part of business is like building a good team. Oh, for sure. It for just sure. like takes forever. Yeah. Like interchanging people and just trying to align in this similar path at the right time too. Right. Because the person might not be the right person then, but in two years later, you might get with them and be like, fuck, this would work now, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting, your journey, how um, you got into developing and then JV'd that into this. And I feel like when you talk about doing it for the money, something people don't consider is like, let's say you get to the money, now what? You burn out, you, like you don't even want to, it's like you said, you wake up and you're just like, oh man, I'm. Yeah. don't want to do it anymore and so it's if until you find something that makes you tick like you're really not living life in my opinion no, there's no purpose you know like when you find that deeper purpose that deeper passion of yeah. like it's got you up late and got you up early that's when i feel like life really changes and like that business really starts to be a plus in your life and everyone around you i mean money comes money goes man you're not gonna take it with you and people don't understand that, you know, you can't, there's only one God. You can't, you can't have two gods. I always say that money cannot be God. God is God. You worship God. You can't worship money. Right. So keep true to yourself, to what you believe in. It's kind of that, that's the same example. Like keep true to yourself. I mean, money is a necessary evil. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and talk like I'm coming from a very sweet point because I've been successful, whatever the case is. I've had my rough roads I had, you know? But at the end of the day, money should never change your character, man. You can't, you can't change over money. I've, I'm the same guy when I had a dollar in my pocket, and I'm the same guy whether I have $100 million in my pocket. You're not supposed to change over that. And anybody you ask that knows me, all my friends, I, and in, even in the company, man, I treat the janitor better than I treat the CEO or CFO. That's just, that's just what it is because I know that the man's coming and doing hard work. Everybody's equal. 
position should not make, make a difference in how you treat people, you know what I mean, on status. So to me, the most important thing is being human and just treating one another on, on, on a greater level where people respect you and love you and, and, and just kind of say that, you know what, he's a cool guy, man. He never makes me feel down because he's above me or because he got more money. He wants to flex on me, whatever the case is, you know, it's not, it's not the case. That's, I think, my, my, my difficulty in industries overall, whether it'll be music or celebrities. I just, I don't treat celebrities or anybody in the higher ranks any different than I treat regular people. Because to me, they're all regular people. They're talented individuals and I respect the craft, but I'm not going to create that God syndrome with anybody that, yo, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starstruck. It's just another regular guy that's very talented, doing good for himself. And they appreciate that more because they, they don't want to be put on a special pedestal because it gets annoying after a while, you know? So it's inauthentic. Yeah. It's not organic. It's just, yeah. No one wants to align with that. No. Nah. Yeah, people definitely don't understand that. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I noticed that you got with Moneybag Yo and he's coming right. up hot rapper. Like at yeah. the time too, it was great timing. Right. How did that go? It was good, man. I mean, we were popping off in 19, like already crazy when things went crazy. I mean, I have a personal friendship with Moneybaggio, so we knew each other way back when. But when Truffles was popping, I mean, before Moneybaggio, we were just doing our thing. And then when the opportunity presented, like I was getting calls from mad different celebrities, like, you know, we want to do this and pull up on this, pull up on that. Because I mean, I mean, you know the weed culture, how it is. When it gets popular, everybody want to try it, feel it, let's do this, let's do that. And I was like, yo, we're already too busy doing as is. I got enough headaches on me. I just can't handle more. You know what I mean? Because I just, I know how that life is, right? But with Bag, it was different because it was genuine. It was like off of friendship. It was like on a handshake. We just, we just kind of clicked and it just went. And, you know, shout out to them. And it's all, it's all love. I mean, you know, the company dif- took a different direction when we, before we started and that year and a half we took off, obviously we weren't cultivating, we were doing anything. So bro was, you know, for, for the ride at the time. And I felt like, you know, when we started the company started going a different direction, we were so heavily concentrated on the weed itself. And he was like, look, bro, you know, we've got an opportunity. I was like, oh, bless bro. Whatever you got to do, you got to do. There's no hard feelings. I mean, it's all love. So, I mean, I hope everything works out. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I wish the best. It it's a good it way. Is. It started with friendship and ended with friendship. hundred percent. It wasn't started with friendship and then ended with business. No, nah, man. Nah, that, you know, it's not, it's, I'm it's not cool. the type of individual. I really, I really don't care if, if something we do in business is great and it's successful, I'm happy. If business don't work out, I'm never the type of dude that's going to get salty and be like this, then and there. You know what I mean? And I'm never going to hold anybody back if they have another opportunity to go do something and and grab a bag somewhere else and do it. I have my, my agenda already, what I'm doing with the brand. I cannot be rushed through my process. Like I said, if people don't understand that, I completely understand because I can't expect people to ride the wave with my agenda to whatever it is. It's, it's business and personal relationships are two different things. Sometimes business just doesn't work out the, the path you're headed to, and you have to be understanding. And I'm, I'm the guy that's very, very understanding because I know I'm difficult in my process and, you know, I, I perfect it and it takes time. And sometimes people just are not patient enough like that, which is fine. It is what it is. But yeah, man. One thing I want to touch on was the conversation we had right before we hopped on here with like the behind, behind the scenes, basically right. was the corporations. When we talk about when corporations come in, you were like, right. man, corporations, they come in and they'll, 
the, the way they need to move or they, we, they need right. to speak to certain people in the industry. It's, it's interesting how it's happening, right? Where right. they'll come in and you see a med men just exited, you know, yeah. companies that were valued massive, you know, and, and them being behind smaller brands. Like the problem with corporate America is that they think that branding is based off of corporate structure that, you know, they package certain amount of things and people are going to feel it. You know, look at Supreme, right? When they came in with the brand, right? Why is this so unique? Because they target a culture. Weed is a culture. You as a corporate, big, large corporate, you'll never understand culture because you're not from the streets. You don't know what the streets wants, right? You have to keep your ear to the ground what the streets are, are, are buzzing about. This is not the, this is not the Coca-Cola industry. This is not beverage. This is weed, man. You got to know different types of smokers. And you talk about skateboarding. You know what I mean? You talk about hip hop. You talk about different arenas of different cultures that consume weed. It's a universal language. Mm -hmm. And you have to know how to target that. The big corporates have not really capitalized on that. They don't understand that yet because they don't understand weed. They think they do, but they throw money at it. Like they think that throwing money at it is going to solve the problem. Money is not the solution to this, man. Understanding what weed is, is the solution. First, understand what, what, what it takes to be in this industry, then put money behind it so it could be a positive. One company raising $100 million that flops in a period of a year and a half, that $100 million could have been incorporated with 10 different companies, smaller scale, to give them a chance to actually get to somewhere. And even if two, three hit, you got something in your house. At least you're supporting multiple different businesses in this industry, right? But I think it's a lack of knowledge. I think it's just the ignorance. Nobody yeah. wants to admit the fact that it's, it's a hard space to penetrate and they don't want to ask for help because with large corporations, especially like tobacco or something like that, nobody's going to give the support. Nobody wants to support that. Well, and there's no easy way in and people don't want to hear that. Right. There's no easy way in. You have right. to go in the hard way with money. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I and they think, like I said, they throw money at it. Like, well, watch us do it. We're going to just gonna put all the money we can. We have more money than you ever going to. Not in this business because the public still keeps it real. And why we keep pushing the agenda, being organic, organic, organic. This is one of the industries that the public will scrutinize you to death if you're not coming right. There's no forgiveness. You have to be very careful how you approach the cannabis community because you can't pull wool over our eyes. There's no smoking mirrors. They'll call bullshit in a heartbeat. And I value that. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's real. Why wouldn't you want that? Who wants to live in a fake world? Yeah. So, which is what's happening in so many other industries that we deal with, oh, you know? 100%. So it's, it is cool that there's so much transparency still. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope it stays. I hope as we advance and over the years, you know, the years pass by over the years, we learned that we, that's what keeps the community going. Like wow. we need to, we need to capitalize on that as much as we can. It's up to them. It's up to you. It's up to the smokers. Yeah. It's up to you guys supporting the brands and the companies that you know are doing it right or doing it for you, right? It's like that right. exchange of energy or exchange of product. It's like it's up to them to support the brands that aren't falsifying and aren't repackaging. You know, it's all that stuff. It's it's up to them. They're the, right. their money creates what that brand can do or where right. they can go with it. Right. And yeah. like, that's the barrier for so many amazing black market brands right. is the money. Yeah. I have to put a million dollars up. I've never had that. Most people 
in this industry, even the successful ones in the black market make a good living, not enough to be like, and now right. two, $3 million behind me, right. you know? So it's interesting. It, it really is up to the consumer, which is a, I know a lot of brands that probably look at it as a negative, but as now this industry can't get bought out and we're realizing that mm -hmm. by other, you know, huge corporations or huge money coming in, even with federal, it's like, uh, it's a blessing. It's definitely a blessing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, prime example is like one of my very, very close friends, like my brother, shout out to G man. He, he owns drop and drop technologies like drop labs. And they do, they do things differently. And he's, part of the culture. He, he's the guy that came up just like I did, right? Like I always call him my twin, man. He just raised half a bill for the company and the valuation is already at a billion dollars. But he's just a simple guy, man. He just, he, you know, you don't ever see him flexing on nobody or, but they're doing big things with technology, Web3 and everything. And they just got Aramco in, in, in Saudi. They just signed a huge, huge contract with them. I'm so, I mean, I'm proud of him and I congratulate him. You know what I mean? And but the guy keeps it real. He doesn't, you know, you always see him and he, he doesn't have all this jewelry and all this. Stuff. He's always with the shorts, cap and a t-shirt, like real billionaire's mentality. Right. But he's relatable. Like you could talk to him and he's not ever going to bully you and saying, yo, you know how much money I got with the company? You know what I could do, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Those are the type of people in this business that we need. That's why we partnered up with them. You know, obviously it was a m migration point where it was like, okay, on the technology, you guys take over. The NFT, you guys take over. Like, you guys just do this because I trust you guys, right? It's that rela relatable factor. If companies come more genuine like that, people will start accepting them more versus suit and tie and, you know, you got to be a certain type of way. Like, bro, that's, that's for the old days. We've graduated from that already. Nobody wants to see that anymore. I feel like uh, the corporate structure, it doesn't support culture nope. being implemented into the business. So that's why you got situations like Louis Vuitton bringing on Virgil Abloh. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And the success there. And that now that's been a blueprint mm -hmm. for all these other people who will call curators that understand culture. Because he was involved in skateboarding, graffiti, street art, like right. DJing. Like he's like a multifaceted creative. Right. That just showed that, like, same thing. No crazy jewelry, no right. this, no that. But he would do collaborations with, like, Patek Philippe and all. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But still, most of the time you see this guy, he's not doing any of that. Right. Very normal person. And I feel like uh, there's a certain level of person, they understand that. You've you got to be able to relate. And it's hard to relate when you're living this life that's so out of touch. I feel like one of the best artists that does this and he's living on another level is Drake. hundred percent. He's a genuine, authentic, relatable guy, even though, you know, he's now worth, you know, easily right. a bill. Yep. Still, if he came into a room, I'm sure you could have a combo with him versus like some of these guys, they're, they get in an outer space mode yeah, short and, it, and, it, and it stops. Yeah. It's like a short them, man complex, right? man. Like you can't talk to them. Like their heads in the clouds. Like it's like, Money don't make a person, man. A person makes a person. You got to be rich at heart. You got to have all the money in the world, be a scumbag or, or, or just, a, just a stupid individual that just don't, doesn't know how to relate to people and making pe belittle yeah, people. Like, unrelatable. Yeah, unrelatable and just like feeling good about himself that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm better than that guy. Or not congratulate the next guy that's winning. Like that's, that's, that's ugly, man. When I say God don't like ugly, that's ugly.
Like if money defines you as an individual, the way you made it, you're going to lose it. Mm. It's the same thing when, in our industry, man. Anybody that stole from anybody, anybody that, you know, took anything from anyone or, or robbed anyone, nobody enjoys that. Something always down the road, karma's a bitch. Or something God always sees everything, man. It just comes back tenfold. They lose it all. And then they repent and they understand that their wrongdoings, et cetera. It's the same thing whether you're a billionaire or a millionaire. If you do wrong by people because you've been blessed enough to have the money and, and you start thinking you're better than everyone else, if the world doesn't wake you up, God will. It's just a matter of time. I promise that. And I, I'm telling you from experience, I've, I've been in the game for a long time and I've been out of the game for a long time. I've seen, I've seen firsthand what, what happens to people like that. And I frankly don't like to affiliate myself with people like that. If, if you're, you're a snotty type of individual, they just want to hype yourself up. Like they said, the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. The guy that sits is humble and just listens and observes and doesn't say much. And you know what I mean? That's the guy that you're looking for. Not looking for the guy that comes in tooting his own horn. I'm this, I'm that, this. I, I, I sit down and I listen. I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm going to holler at you. We're out of here. Because what is there to argue? You, don't, you got nothing to prove to nobody. Like, you can't, you already know the heads are so far up the clouds that you're not bringing them down no more. Like, you're going to waste your time. Yeah. No, we're talking to. Yeah. Which is, is tough. I, like, I, I know this, starting a podcast, teach you how to listen. Because yeah. in the beginning, we sucked at listening. Well, I, I know I was like, no, both of us sucked yeah. at listening, right? Yeah. And then you start to realize, like, yeah, you got to shut up and listen so you can yeah. learn. Because you don't learn by speaking. No. You know, you learn by listening. So, man, I think that it's all the, all the better, though, because yeah. it's like you said, with collaboration, people got to come together right now sure. and implement culture into your, your brand and be create a community. Sure. And that's a way that, you know, the independent people can really pop and have a, a lane for the future. And the more people that come together, the better off we're going to be on this side. Bro, you know. brand, brand success speaks for itself. That's, that's the mentality behind mm -hmm. it. Everything I'm saying right now has been translated into the brand. That's, in my opinion, that's why people started like messing with it heavy because they saw the genuinity behind it because we're in coming with no boofy, spooky stuff. Like, you know what I mean? There's no agenda behind it. We're like, here it is. This is what it is. Hopefully you like it. And, you know, you start messing with it and they just resonate up. And I mean, up until this point, I've kind of been behind the curtains. I'm not the type of dude that wants to <laughs> Show myself, take credit for it. I'm not that guy. I don't care. If the brand's successful and doing good, if my family at the business is eating, everybody's elevating, I'm happy. I don't need credit. I don't need to hype myself up. I don't need to do none of that stuff. It took me, this is probably the first time I'm showing my face and like speaking about it because up until now, you know, it's funny that a lot of people call me and they go, yeah, yeah, so-and-so told me that they met this person. They said that they're the owner of the brand, this and that. I'm like, Okay. It's funny you cool. say that. I, cool. I got a story like that for sure. That's yeah, funny it's cool. Itself. Like, you know, I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. they want to flex them to say they're the owner of the brand. No problem. Yeah. So be it. A part owner. One of the owners. Yeah, yeah. or my part <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, what are you, you trying know, to prove, like bro? Like, it's not yeah. a flex, bro. It's no, not a flex. I mean, Being like involved with the company and making it bigger is a flex. <laughs> Having yeah. a, a, a great group, group around you, a crew, your team is solid, man. Yeah. The way you guys move together. And I mean, it's impressive. Appreciate that.
And hopefully we can expand, you know? How'd you have a truffle soda, man? How'd that work out? Because I'm about, I want to pour that up, man, for all it's the people cool. watching. I mean, you know, it's just a little sum sum. I mean, this is something, this is the stuff that we kind of do just as a as trial basis and just see how the people mess with it and stuff. You know what I mean? Grab the syrup too. Let's get this. Sorry, knocked over my Dr. Dabber excess. Oh, so, so the soda is just a regular soda. Nothing it's in it. It's a regular right? soda. There's nothing yeah. in it. But you but mix this the is what you were saying. Yeah, a line of and that. This is 800 milligrams. Yeah, that's for pharmaceutical. Line me up. Shit. Line me up, pack. That pharmaceutical Yo, grade is basically guys, we we we've developed that for pharmaceutical grade for for people to that are sip some, drink some, pour some out for the homies. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you were so experienced. I was like, pour it in, then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. There's a technique to this, isn't there? You know, I really used to do this <laughs> shit, man. That's why I said, do me up. I'm it gonna- pour it pours just like lean. Look, that's crazy. We're not promoting that for all you people that are going to get up in arms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People get all worked up. Yeah, no. Let me give Biggs a little oh, yeah. more, man. Let's get up, him man. fucked up. <laughs> give me that thousand dollar pour. Pharmaceutical player. Give me that thousand dollar pour. Ooh, that's a see. Now it's matching the color of the outside. Okay, I get <laughs> that it a now. sip. Give that a sip. Oh, yeah. But you know yeah. what it is? Is like my oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip it upside. Do I flip down. it upside yeah, yeah, yeah. down? Yeah, you got to shake it. Don't even shake it. Just. Just do one of these, like yeah. nice and easy. Yeah. There you go. I saw this on there the movie one time. <laughs> Looks nice. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Tastes good. Careful. Too. It, might, it might. Yeah. There you go. Nice and slow. That walk. Yeah, all day. Yeah, I like it. Ooh, super flavor. <laughs> yeah, make sure. Hey, look. The get off a, the mic's going to be interesting. Get if on you're off the mic. On the website. <laughs> the get on. off the mic We're after gonna this. We're going to have him out here. Out what here you, in the downtown streets. What you know about the off the mic? Sip it on. <laughs> some super flavor wok syrup. This shit looks potent. Yeah, it'll make you pucker up, too. It's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> Hell Yeah. What yeah, else? I see my doctor dad. What now. strains and flavors are you looking forward to? Maybe that you haven't rolled out yet. Entourage. Mm-hmm. Entourage. Oh, yeah. Entourage. Is that is that for behind the series? Yeah, yeah, that's actually my favorite series, right? Bro. And, and <laughs> that series, yeah, hundred percent. Right behind Sopranos is yeah, like exactly. Entourage, bro. But but what it is is our our truffle characters is like you know that's like the birth of the brand. You know, yeah. truffle characters and stuff. Like we just came out with our glow of dark bags. Um, and we were just expanding on that on the digital content. And I, I was like, at a certain point, there's going to be a strain that I'm just going to feel like is the, is the vibe high that feels like entourage. And it's the fucking by sheer chase, accident, baby. we came across a strain. And, and I, man, thank God I didn't throw that out. It was like, you know, it took a little longer to cure. And I was thinking that it's not it, it's not it. And bro, it hit like on the 10th or 12th day of curing. It just popped and i was like <gasps> okay this is something new so the best way i could explain that smoke is you at a party is definitely not a downer to where you just want to get couch like but you're just vibing so good it just makes you feel so good you're happy you know what i mean you're just mm-hmm. you're still high but it's like your mood is in different state like you just your anxiety's gone music sounds great Munchies wise, it doesn't give you much munchies, but it's the type of way you can just smoke and party. 
Like if you're not an alcohol drinker all day, you're smoking that back to back. And it's potent. I mean, for, for, for people that love heavy, heavy smoke, if you smoke enough, it's going to get you like up there. Right. But that experience in the good fuel smoke is definitely that. So I'm looking forward to that. That's my favorite smoke. And the second is the airhead right now. So, you know, we have, like I said, 20 plus strains that are coming with like different demographics, you know, gas, candy, sour, Skittles, you know, stuff that in the market has been like commanding for it. And then we have new flavors like Entourage that hasn't been done. I'm big on fruit. Like we were talking about guava and, and, and papaya and stuff like that. I'm always searching for the fruit factor, whether it'll be in candy or gas. Because I think that's going to be another wave that'll eventually hit where people are going to be like exploring for the fruit. And this one is more of like on that, um, I don't know how to explain it, man. Like dragon fruit, cross with like cherry, cross with like, it's just a unique flavor, man. Like you just bowl of fruit that you eat, but it's gas. Don't try. Sounds like you're at a party in Hollywood, and Vinny Chase hands you a joint. Yeah, and Ari's cursing the shit out of you. Takes a turn after that. Yeah, it's like a Jeffrey smoking a Jeffrey. Uh, (laughs) What's dope is that that's actually a term for terpenes too. Is like when there's a bunch of really high terpenes, and the way they all interact together when you smoke them is called the entourage effect. You know, of like how how they hit you and how the effect actually goes through your body and how your mind, your appetite, all that. So it's like because it's like, oh, it's high in lemonine. It's like, yeah, but those other five things that it's also has residuals in or small amounts of together. It's a perfect aromatherapy for your mind, your body, you know, the entourage effect, the terpenes, THC, all that. But, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a triple entendre. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it is different. It is, man. I'll definitely uh, send you guys when we release it. It's, it's, it's probably about 90 to 120 days out. We got to do like at least two, three runs where I stamp it, where it's ready. But, you know, you guys are like family at this point. So you guys will get whatever I personally feel like you guys should be trying and stuff like that. Because you guys are seasoned smokers. You guys know what it is, you know. Yeah. Your first smoke family now. Yeah. Everyone that comes on, now you're yeah, your nice. first smoke family, yeah, you know. How do you, how do you QC a batch? What's your like process to that? You know my well. Our our QC process is a little different. Number one, we handpick the nugs, so we got three tier three tier level of nugs. So the first two tiers are top and and not bottom mid, but top mid. So only those make it into our bags. Everything else is non non acceptable. What about for when you're like looking for phenos? QC oh, and a pheno. QC and a pheno. I'm looking number one is smell. Mm-hmm. Second is terpene. I'm not looking at the visual. Visual is by far the last thing that we look for. The first thing is how it cures, then how it smells, and does the smell match the taste, and then the high. Because there's, there's a lot of weed out there that smells great, tastes great, and people still really, really smoking it. There's a high demand for it. Not everything has to be 30% THC, guys. I mean, just, it's just a fun fact that not everyone smokes the same. You want 30% THC, though, you're going to put the whole crowd into a coma. You can't do that. You got to make it a feel-good experience. But somehow, somewhere, really, our, our, our strains come out potent for some reason. And I really haven't had anything that's less than like 25, 26%. Like my minimum is like 25, 24. 
some of the tested. strongest weed we ever smoked is somewhere in the 24, 25%. And yeah. I'll put it up against 35%. Right. I mean, you smoke the presidential Kush. Those were coming in at 23, 24. People had full-blown panic attacks. Like, yeah, I watched yeah, people yeah, melt yeah. down. It's Guys are like, oh, I've been smoking for it. It's like, all right. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> Try you know, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Same with Jack Herrera, 26, 27%, like the old Jack. And man, I, I watch people, you know, think that someone laced it. Did uh, you put something in this? Like that's, yeah. you know. No, you just haven't smoked a really high potency badge. And, you know, you're a grower. I don't need to tell you. It just depends how much you develop the, uh, you know, trichomes on it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's milky or super clear. And it depends on potency based off of that as well. You know, how long you hold it. Certain cultivators like to harvest you know, eight weeks in, certain cultivators like to push nine, possibly 10, depending on the genetic. They want that full effect to so get the super heavy head high versus the body equivalent head high, depending on when you crop. And a lot of people don't understand that because it hasn't been said before. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the grower and what he decides to do with that particular plant. Because like when we speak about Z, Z, you can't hold it for long because you're compromising terpenes. You almost have to almost prematurely cut it to preserve all the flavor. But then when you're doing OG, it's just like a very special girl, bro. You just got to treat it in a way where like, all right, are we on our eighth date or are we on our ninth date? Are we pushing to the 10th? Like what's going on here? You know what I mean? And you look at it and based off of your observation, depending on your environment, lights, et cetera, you make the decision when to cut it. So certain, certain strains, me, from my experience, if I could push a strain to 10 weeks, definitely do it if it's not going to pot. But you got to know your genetics. You got to know what you're growing. Not every plant grows the same way. And that's the challenge of, of the industry as well, right? You got to, like, just like banks say, know your, know your client, KYC, know your plant, KYP. Know what it's <laughs> for, you know what I mean? And just treat it as such. Don't overextend yourself and, and, and come up with something that, that, that doesn't smoke or mm-hmm. it's been held too high or whatever the case may be. Bottom line is, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. And like the things that I'm saying, nobody ever taught me this stuff. Nobody ever sat down and said, let me break it down to you. This is what you got to be looking for. This is everything that you learn as you go. That's the difficult process. But, you know, overall, I'm proud of it. I'm happy with it. If I had to do it all over, I wouldn't change a thing. Says Come a lot. on, man. Come on. Yeah. Big dog. Any shout outs, man? Any any future projects you wanna you put us on game for? Well, uh, we got our delivery app probably launching in about 90 days. We're gonna That's start big. doing that. We're gonna start doing that. We 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 believe for smokers to be a little more convenient. You know what I mean? You don't gotta get up and head over to the store. I know from my personal experience, get up in the morning, nine o'clock. The last thing I want to do is hop in my car, go to the dispensary. I definitely would want to have the option to, you know, like you do Uber Eats to get yep. something there. So we're, we're launching that. We're launching our new strains. We're going to fire up the new facility, you know, finish that off. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're contemplating, man. We might even, you know, do a lot of uh, truffles distro out in town and just start controlling the narrative, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that's going on here. We just feel like undervalued. We want to start helping out some of the, uh, some of the people that are growing and stuff like that. So they have avenues for sales and stuff like that on the distribution level. You know, it's, it's just constant involvement. We got to fix this industry together, man. We just can't close our eyes and just go, okay, well, the prices are what the prices are today. And, you know, oh well, it is what it is. I mean, we're in weed depression right now. 
It's hard. It's tough times. I tell my team, it's tough times. But tough times don't last. Tough men do. So you just got to get through it. Tough people, man. Yeah. Not just tough men. Got some ladies back here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to get shit from the team right now. Oh, we have man. a whole team of women yeah, behind I'm the scenes. trying to have your back right yeah, And, and they're badass. And the, and the 3% of women viewers at home, you know. Yeah, yeah. We know it's only three. Yeah, yeah. Well, women are so tough. Women are so tough, man. They don't need to. Like, they're going to last regardless, bro. Yeah. I yeah. say it about us because yeah. we crack yeah. sooner than women do. Trust me. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of, a lot yeah. of males out here acting like. But man, shit, bro, amazing story. Congratulations just on your journey. Like you're Appreciate an inspiration, it. bro, for real. Stoke what you're doing with this brand. I can tell your team loves what they're doing. Appreciate and it. Uh, they got a great leader, bro. Thank so, you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Matt Thanks for having man, me, For real. Absolutely. Are you going to get whooped on in ping pong by uh Stark out, players. Stark out. You know, you're going to get whooped on by this drink, though. Yeah, We're going to make sure you chug that shit later. And be just smiling. On, I'll just be smiling, sitting in the corner. Come on, man. <laughs> Bigs. Truffles. Truffles. Episode 87. It's first smoke of the day. Thanks, guys. We're Appreciate out. it, man. Peace. Peace. Yo, welcome to the Diamond Mine. The DiamondMine.LA, California source for boutique genetics. Powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the diamondmine.la and we're gonna offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden. The diamondmine.la powered by Blackleaf.